This is Heather Hilda Darling on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM and DAB. I just thought while we were having our cup of tea, and obviously I'm going to be speaking to Kat um, after my next guest, Lisa Dawson. She's an interiors expert and Instagram influencer. And I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of continuity here because we're going to be talking about plants. Lisa Dawson. Radio Reverb. Latest figures reveal that property hits the news again with lockdown sparking a boom in Hove improvements. My special guest today, interiors expert and Instagram influencer, is Lisa Dawson. Hello, Lisa. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Well, this is rather pertinent because obviously you're, you're quite a hit on Instagram. So <laughs> I, ran a, <laughs> I ran a poll on Instagram myself this morning asking the people, the good people of Brighton and Hove, whether they were planning an extension or home improvements in 2020. And the oh, results, yes, the results so far, 70% said yes and 30% have said no. That's amazing. It it isn't is, it? Isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. I don't. I don't suppose this comes as any surprise to you, as latest research tells us. Sixty thousand Brits plan to extend. I know it's madness, and that was over the thirteen weeks of lockdown. So um, that's unbelievably one point five million square meters of extra space which mm. is significant but I think that what we found was I especially I found on Instagram is that so many people attacked those home projects that they were unable to attack you know prior to lockdown um, so many people who uh, you know generally work in an office and were then confined to home looked around I think looked around their spaces and realized what they could do and it's actually given us a really renewed love of our spaces and our homes I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the portals are all telling us that everybody's looking for more space and looking returning to the countryside. Obviously, I know that you have moved, you moved nine times in 14 years. That must have been <laughs> something quite <laughs> horrendous. I did indeed. We've been in this house now for five years and I don't have any intention to move at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's your forever home then. It is, yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, I think I'm suffering from extension exhaustion because we started um, an extension on our property last July and it is mm -hmm. still ongoing obviously it's, there's been difficulty getting hold of materials etc oh, of course yeah, yeah. Um, but why do you think lockdown has had such a profound effect on homeowners thinking about extending or doing home improvements I mean there can be a lot of disagreements over these subjects can't there Yes. I mean, I think there's several ways of, of it, you know, of making the most of your home extensions and, you know, obviously can be quite costly. But I think it's worth looking at what it's going to do to your home. And a lot of us are very sentimental about our homes. You know, we love where we live and we don't necessarily want to move, but we're maybe just lacking in a bit of space. So um, before lockdown, actually, I extended um, or I took my garage and I had it converted into an annex, um, which in, in order to do so, I extended my mortgage by a small amount. But as a long, I looked at it as a long-term perspective, whereby in the long-term, I'm not intending to move. I really love my home. So it's added, it's, it's an added investment in my home. And I think a lot of people are thinking about it like that. But if you haven't got, you know, if you're not looking at doing an actual big renovation project, there's plenty of other ways that you can 
add, you know, make your home feel better and nicer and a more comfortable space to be in. Um, on my blog, I talk a lot about shopping your home. So moving the furniture around, it sounds such a simple thing, but it's so easy just to get stuck in that rut of just, you know, having a room looking the same for a long time. Just refreshing it with a coat of paint or swapping the furniture around. Just those changes are often enough to make that space feel more comfortable without having to do anything major. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm a bit of a cushions person. I love cushions. Don't um, we all? <laughs> <laughs> but when you, you realise they were the trend colour of five years ago, you think, I better do something about this now. Um, but <laughs> can I ask you, you know, when you sort of you're starting out in life and maybe you've moved into a small property and perhaps you've got um, another baby on the way and you think, I need a second bedroom, mm. you don't often think that second bedroom may have to become, if you're staying there in your this forever home of yours that eventually mm. that might have to become something else like a downstairs bedroom for maybe an elderly parent who comes yeah. to stay yeah. or you know so how how do people set about or how should they set about planning their extension should they be looking in five-year periods or should they be looking actually 25 to 30 years forward I think a lot of that depends on their finances as well I suppose if you it's very difficult Difficult to tell as well if it is your forever home it's difficult to make those decisions and some of them are quite costly so I would think carefully I would probably look for the next five years that's not really yeah I would probably look five years ahead if I was planning something to do in my house for sure um, but obviously a lot of it depends on on um, finances and, and costly and how costly it will be but uh, I know that uh, during over lockdown especially because people have been working from home they have reassessed what they use the rooms in their house for and realized that they've got a spare bedroom that someone only stays in twice a year and mm. actually it could be utilized in a much more sensible fashion um, as an office or as a you know a, um, a children's room or you know whatever I think we're just being more sensible and being more we're planning what we're using our our houses for you know whether even whether that be putting a desk you know opening up the understairs cupboard and putting a desk in there to make an, an office you know there's plenty that we can do without having to go the whole hog well that's why we need people like yourself interiors experts who can show us perhaps little corners where we could put um, a, a computer desk or something that we hadn't even considered before and but it's actually thinking about things long term how does it fit in with all the family yeah. you know how long are we going to have to live like this because the first place I suppose to start planning is how much is it going to cost us with budgets as you say getting your finance ready how yeah. long is it going to take and how long are we going to be completely in disruption you know some know. of these extensions can take a long time they can and there's several things that you can do um you know without having to uh without, without having to go the whole hog if it's not possible so what i what i generally tend to do in my house is every the beginning of every year i will set a future plan of action i call it mm -hmm. and i go through my rooms and i write down what i want to change or you know projects and it can be anything from you know putting a new bathroom into painting a wall you know it can be anything and then what i do is over the course of that year as and when i see things if they're in the sale or if i go to you know the local diy store and they're uh, you know by the till I'll pick them up tick them off my list and then they're there ready to go and what that does is that spreads the cost of the changes that I want to make in my house over the course of that year over you know a longer period of time which is easy but I mean if you were setting a budget I think the recommendation is is that you set a contingency of 10% don't you so you if you're working out how much it's going to cost then you have a contingency of 10% 
to make sure that you can cover it. Absolutely. And of course, we can never really be um, assured of what weather we're going to have. So that can add delays. Oh goodness, it's no. such a content. That's so true. It's like <laughs> yeah. autumn now. Honestly. I know, I know. So I really think, you know, you sort of um, doing extensions and home improvement should almost have a warning label on them, danger ahead. So if you don't plan it, not only might you disagree with your partner about uh, paint colours and door handles and wallpaper coverings if you've not been used to doing DIY and you know my my generation used to do a lot of our own painting and decorating and wallpapering mm. not always successfully but it could be spelling disaster ahead couldn't it well I mean also another thing that I recommend is to do a mood board which sounds like it's really really complicated but actually it's not um, and you, you can do it on Pinterest you just set up a board and add in all your ideas and um, if you have that to start with I do that before I plan any room or anything that I'm doing is I do a mood board looking at what I want to to put in it and um, if you have a partner who disagrees I agree that can be a bit of a, a trauma you try doing children's bedrooms I tell you when you've got two boys <laughs> that was a nightmare honestly I had some very stylish ideas but they wanted astroturf floors they did not get them <laughs> But it's it, putting it all onto a mood board enables you to look at it and to show your, the rest of your family or your team of what you're doing um, and get their agreement. So that's one way of, um, of pulling them into your ideas. But yes, there's a lot. I, 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 yes, I love the idea of mood boards, but some people might think it's sort of agree, disagree, strongly disagree along the mood board. But what you're talking oh. about are the little maybe cutouts of things that you've seen on Instagram or yeah, any absolutely. of the other social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Just bits and pieces. Pinterest is absolutely fantastic for inspiration. Instagram is amazing. It has a huge um, interiors community. Yeah. Um, there's a hashtag on there that I set up with my friend many years ago called My Home Vibe, which gives, which is basically people posting their houses, and it's great to look at to get inspiration and see what everyone else is doing. Because there'll always be someone on there who's got a similar home to you, who's done something really exciting in it. So it's excellent for inspiration. Yeah, I think the other good idea um, is going around perhaps any show homes that are in your area because you'll see the latest trends generally um, and, you know, just getting ideas about how things look together and trends come and go and some are sort of, they last longer than others, don't they? Um, yeah. And I would like to ask you, um, should you start inside the house or outside? So say, for example, we had a long, hot summer this year, uh, weather was fantastic and I'm sure a lot of people were thinking about gardening but if you do your garden and then you come inside oh my goodness the the, the stuff that can get traipsed through the house etc so would you suggest moving outside in or inside out oh well i personally there's the minute that lockdown hit i was straight out in my garden mostly because it's an extra space so that was the first place that i went to was outside so mm -hmm. i painted the walls i redid the borders i um you know trailed some plants that was the first place I went so and also if you're looking you know from how your house looks perspective it's nice to get you know the front door painted and it's just a lick of paint but it can make a real difference to the way that people view your house from the outside so I'm I'm quite a fan especially during the nice weather I mean obviously if it was pouring with rain then you would have to hold back and stay indoors but if, if the weather is good as it has been over lockdown then I absolutely would have suggested going out and doing your garden and because what you're doing is adding in extra space you're giving yourself an extra space oh wonderful right so just to finish off Lisa if you wouldn't mind giving me your three top tips 
takeaways if you're planning home improvements or an extension? Just the three things you should really concentrate on first. Uh, first of all, I would find your style. So make sure you know what style you're going to go, go for. So have a look on all the inspiration boards and Pinterest um, and see what you love and, and do a plan of what you want to do. Then look up think about the things that you love so if you love textures or you know you're into um you want a concrete floor or do you want a tile floor plan all those things out in advance especially if you want to fit it into your budget um, and also don't rush it never rush anything when it comes to your home um, do it add pieces carefully although you, uh, going out and saying i need to buy a coffee table is never the right way to find a coffee table that you actually really love um, <laughs> it's much better when you can happen upon it so it doesn't matter if you have spaces in your outside in your in, in your um, in your home fill them with a plant stick a plant there until you found what you really love but don't ever buy on impulse always always go and look for what you know something that really sings to you oh that's wonderful thank you it's been great talking to you today lisa thank you so much Lovely. for your insights and do enjoy the rest of your day super thank you and you radio reverb well thank you to lisa for joining me today um do you feel a bit of a theme going on here you're listening to Heather Hilda Darling on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM and DAB. Our property programme is sponsored by Callaway's Estate Agents. And I think you've probably gathered by now we are definitely property people. We love talking about property. And if you've got anything you'd like to speak to us about, just send me a message, a direct message. on I'm either on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter. Um, I've also got a Facebook page and I'd love to know the sort of dilemmas that you have with property so that we can bring them up in a future programme. Very soon I'm going to be joined again by Kat Hode who's been talking interior design with us. Now I keep going on about some of my interior design issues with my extension but I'm sure I'm not the only one who has been doing works during the summertime. In fact, a lot of research tell us, tells us that us Brits have been doing more than ever before. How disastrous has it been for you? Are you enjoying it? Would you do it again? Would you get in the professionals? These are all areas that I'd love to hear from you about because actually if we share our disasters and believe you me, I've had a few, particularly once when uh, my husband um, doing some wallpapering hung the wallpaper upside down. I hardly had the heart to tell him because he'd been working really late at night. Sadly, that piece of wallpaper had to come down. Maybe that's why I don't use wallpaper anymore. But anyway, just settle yourselves back. And here I am with Kat Hode from Absolute Project Management. Imagine being stuck inside for weeks on end, staring at the four walls of your home. Is there anything you can do to improve your well-being and achieve the perfect home? Do interiors actually affect our mood? We are spending more time than ever before at home. So if you've been thinking about your surroundings and how you can change them to have an impact on your well-being, you'll love my guest today. I'm sure many of us who spend time at home have come to appreciate our surroundings or maybe not. Would our lives be happier and more relaxed if each room was designed with a purpose in mind? But how many of us have actually designed each room with a purpose? 
Data shows that 75% of us have wallpaper in our homes. Me, not a single drop. We gave up wallpaper a long time ago. The DIY sector is up by 29%, proving that people have been staying at home and decorating. At the height of lockdown, there's been a surge in wallpaper sales, but don't get, you don't get the perfect home by just slapping up some wallpaper. Okay, so as I said, you'll love my guest today, and, I, and here she is, Kat Hode from the Absolute Project Management. Hello, Hi. Kat, how are you? I'm great, Heather. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Kat, I'm intrigued. Where did your story begin? Because I'm not an interior designer myself. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and how you got into this, um, this profession? Yes, um, I started the business about 12 years ago and got into it, not exactly by accident, but probably I'd say by surprise. Um, I used to be a solicitor um, doing banking law, working in the city in London, and I had stopped doing that job temporarily for various reasons, mainly to do with having two young children. And we were doing some work on our own house, having an extension built and having it fairly um, extensively uh, renovated inside. And I had no idea at all how you went about um, organising the renovation or who you got to do things or even what you could instruct people to do. I knew that I needed an architect, you need an architect, you need a structural engineer, but I didn't actually understand or know what you were allowed to ask those people. As a result, I ended up with a not particularly great architect and, and nor a particularly good um, structural engineer, but did have, by chance really, a really good builder who I got on well with. And so between us, we had to do quite a lot of the working out of the gaps between the information that the architect and structural engineer provided, and that was that was missing. And I really enjoyed it and I understood far more than I had expected to do about the structural um, arrangement stuff and I also really enjoyed looking at that and the build actually said you're good at this you should do this as a job and I thought gosh maybe I could maybe people would pay somebody like me to help them run their renovations and do their interior design. Isn't it um, weird that some of us don't actually realise the skills that we've got? I mean, what really struck a chord with me there is you said you had young children and, you know, you have to be highly organised with young children anyway, but to actually take on a project like this, it must have been quite difficult. Yeah, um, it was. It was quite overwhelming. And I, I did it because I wasn't working as uh -huh. such. I was just looking after my young children, which is, of course, not just just. Um, and I didn't realise, as I think most people don't, quite how much there is to do and how much detail you have to go into to get things really right. Um, and I obviously learned a great deal on my own renovation. But I also realised that the project management, the organising side of things, was really quite similar, believe it or not, to, to the work as a transactional solicitor essentially getting an end goal and working out all the different strands of people and things and organisation you need to achieve that end goal, when they need to be brought in, how long they're going to take and all that kind of stuff. So essentially I mean, it's, it's a web getting to an end result and it, 
the structure was really similar to, to running a transaction, actually. Um, and then the creativity side of things was amazing um, because I'd, I'd always been very interested in, in art and design and fashion and trends and that kind of thing. But I had gone down very much an academic route having done law. And I thought because I couldn't draw as such, I couldn't draw horses. My cousins <laughs> draw I couldn't. Um, so I assumed that I, was, I wasn't artistic. And then, I'm still ashamed of my O-level art. <laughs> I didn't even do O-level art. But then as, as I started doing it, it I realised that all the knowledge I'd kind of absorbed from going to galleries and looking at beautiful properties and being interested in architecture and travelling and so on um, had sort of obviously percolated in and I had quite strong views on what would work and what wouldn't work. Um, I also did an architecture diploma at Birkbeck well, not, not actually specifically in, in being an architect, but in history of architecture, um, which was very useful indeed, not least in giving me the confidence to know some of the, la- the language, because this industry, like many others, probably all others, has loads of lingo and abbreviations and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And especially, particularly dealing with architects, if you don't know what particular reference they're making, you feel really stupid and they don't always go out of the way to make you not feel stupid. Do you have a favourite architect? Um, David Adjay. Right. And what, what does he specialise in? Um, well, he does lots of public buildings now, um, galleries and that kind of thing. I think, I mean, he does a, he does a huge variety of, of things now. But I knew about him from a fairly early point in his career when he was doing domestic interiors um and he's done he did a couple of places in Islington actually which is where I live in is in London and did really really interesting things with Georgian or Victorian terraces which you would never have well I would never have thought of most people would never have thought of Mm. um but they worked really well and they stood the test of time um, and I've, yeah, I've been into a couple of them. In fact, I did a subsequent renovation, partial renovation on, on one of his. So. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So, you know, looking at how lockdown has affected all of us, um, it still doesn't mean that industries haven't changed, not just because of, but as well as. How has your industry changed over the years since joining 12 years ago? I mean, for me personally and my business, it's it's grown in a sort of really pleasing way because it started with me and eventually me and a part-time admin assistant and we're now a team of five and we until lockdown um we had we usually had a architectural a a graduate or a um undergraduate interior designer working with us as well as a kind of on an intern paid intern basis Um, i mean i'd say that not surprisingly the industry, as I've experienced, is it, experienced it has fluctuated with the overall economy. I actually started it, as you can work out from the maths, right in the middle of the uh, 20, 2008 uh, financial crisis. But I think because I was, it was very small and it was just me and I was starting off from nothing, it wasn't particularly, it, I'm sure it presumably just grew a lot more slowly than it would have done if I'd started in the boom time. But yeah, I mean, it, because what we do is for individuals, and it's usually their homes, their money, their earned money, 
normally or family money or whatever, but normally they actually earn money. It has not surprisingly fluctuated with the economy. The amount of confidence people have in the economy and their security of jobs and so on. Kat, do you think maybe, you know, obviously there's a lot comes over from America and, you know, when, when the Americans started all this home staging and suddenly we had all these interior uh, designers and programs on the TV about, you know, changing rooms and, um, yeah. you know, all the Lawrence Llewellyn Bowens and Carol Smiley, etc. Do you think that has had an influence? Because it's a little bit of a paradox um, you know, a lot of us used to complain we were time poor, but actually during lockdown, a lot of us have had a lot more time, which might make us want to think about actually doing exactly what you did all those years ago, thinking about, well, I'll just throw a bit of wallpaper up and see how that looks. Why do I need an interior designer to come along? Now, I know why I would like an interior designer to do my house, but what is the thinking behind this? I would like to get an interior designer in. I assume it's, well, I think mainly within, with clients we deal with, it's a combination of not having the time nor the inclination nor the confidence to to do the work themselves and it can be any or all of those things and lots of people I mean possibly my own experience is a good one don't think they have much artistic or uh, creative ability but actually when you get them thinking about it they do um, I think what you were saying about the property shows coming over from the US and then all the home programs, and, programs. And, and, and all those sorts of things. I think they made everybody realise that you could make changes and you could make quite dramatic changes, some good, some bad. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a um, I think it's a pod, no, it must be just some sort of um, web clip about changing rooms and how some of the rooms that they did really haven't stood the test of time. Test of time. No, it, no, that's true. But then you see, I mean, furniture and interiors and colours, they trend as well, don't they? So, very you know, much so yeah. it, it's not the sort of thing that you'd have your, your home perhaps um, interior designed and then you keep it for the next 30 years. I know a lot of people do because obviously, you know, in my role as an estate agent, I go into lots of old properties where people really have not made any changes at all all the time they've been there. Um, but that, I suppose, is part and parcel of feeling comfortable in your house, feeling cosy. But actually, you know, when we go back to talking about the purpose of a room, can you just take me through for a start? Let's, I'm still trying to find out a bit more about you. What does your day look like, Kat? Um, a typical well, luckily, day. Well, luckily, I don't particularly have a typical day. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about the job. Um, it's so varied. I can be, well, I spend a fair amount of time sitting at the computer um, writing specifications or drawing outlines of plans, thinking about colours and so on. But then I also spend some time thinking about technical aspects, um, whether we need specialists on particular projects, because as well as the interior design, we do the project management, but also almost any interior design project will only work properly if you've given a lot of thought to how, how it's put together. I mean, bathrooms are a good example. You can design the most beautiful bathroom in the world, but if the drainage 
just, you know, it's boring and not something you want to think about, but actually it won't work as a bathroom if the drainage isn't in the right place and, and working properly. So, um, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, well, I think it's great that, you know, varied, uh, I mean, presumably going back to your work as a solicitor where you said there was a lot of transactional uh, tasks to do. do. Do you equate the two on the same level or do you really think that now that your creativity can be let loose, it gives you a lot more scope really to find out who exactly you are? Um, yes, I think it really has done. But I think, again, I think I really like the, the variety and the ability to, to think really creatively and, but then also to spend some time kind of using your brain in a different way and drilling down into a particularly kind of knotty problem. Like we've got one at the moment where there's some underfloor heating going in and I don't design that kind of thing, but that's something we're trying to work out how the underfloor heating works with a particular floor finish. And in, in a variety of rooms, which are in an old house, so they have a variety of subfloors. And so it's all quite technical, but it's, I really like getting into the nitty-gritty of that. The nitty-gritty, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, when you turn up, say, to a client the first time that before you've met them, do you have an idea of to what they're looking for? Do they generally have a plan of their own? Or are they actually looking to you to to help them find what it is they're looking for? It's a, a mixture of both, I'd say. Um, we have, before we actually go and meet clients, we spend some time uh, chatting to them on the phone and um, emailing with them to work out exactly what they want and whether they actually want the service that we provide. Because um, it's obviously key that we do what they want us yes, to do, yes. but that also that fits in with our, you know, kind of tried and tested model of how we work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think very often, very often people have an idea of what they want and then have to be guided a bit by reality and a bit by budget, but also a bit uh, kind of taking taking the initial idea and and going going expanding expanding it. So kind of showing them that they've got more, they themselves have got more creativity and there are more options for for doing something interesting with their space than they, they possibly thought. So I think here, when we go back to this question of the purpose of a room, you know, if you walk into a house and you think, well, okay, the lounge is here, but what do they use the lounge for? Or do they spend more time in the kitchen? I suppose this is where, um, especially in our family, we're always in the kitchen uh, because that's the place we like to hang out. So if if families are spending more time in the kitchen, what is going to be the purpose of the lounge? let's be honest during lockdown we we've probably not had many people visiting so a lounge no. isn't really a place for people lounging anymore is it no no <laughs> I mean, the, room, the room I'm in at the moment is our kind of main lounge and yeah. I it hasn't had people in well it has, has had a very few people in, but it's mainly been used by either my husband or me sitting here working with the door firmly shut on the <laughs> Um, but I'd say, I'd say purpose. I mean, most rooms in most family houses, I'd say, are fairly multi-purpose. And one of the things that we do when we go into houses, as you say, Heather, is look at or try and, try and work with the clients to work out how they live and how they are going to use the spaces. And then in a situation, as you've explained, where particularly there are smaller children, and there's lots of... Um, kind of focus on being in or near the kitchen for, for lots of reasons. Then looking at the the other spaces in the house, if you're lucky enough to have plenty of other spaces in the house, and saying, okay, well, the lounge, you don't use so much anymore, but 
how about we make an area of that in you know, somewhere that you can drop a you have a nice desk little desk and you can drop a laptop and do a bit of work in there and we were thinking we were doing that even before um lockdown but i mean it's that's completely well it's almost accelerated what we've been thinking about for a long time you know i think if we've been in business a long time and perhaps we want to get our life back just being able to get that work-life balance where you do have an area of your home that's office but you haven't got your laptop right on the kitchen island or on the kitchen worktops because that's not very practical but you know if you came along and said well actually you've got a lovely little niche there in your lounge or your garden room that you could perhaps fit a nice little table you could hide your laptop away when it's not in use I think these are the sort of things that not not of all of us see initially do we we need somebody to point it out for us yeah yeah and I think that's one of the really fun things about um, my job what we do because you go into a house that's often sometimes somebody's lived in for absolute years and it they and they just can't see it anymore like I, I'm sure there's things I could do in my house that I haven't seen and you say well there's this you could move this chair from there and then you open up this area here and you have a desk and then look over the garden and then you can change the lighting and, you know not even do massively radical things necessarily but just change the way the room works or else add a kind of multi multi-function element to it I think especially with especially with laptops because you can have you know you can have a perfectly nice um desk or console table type thing which you might not want to spend hours at but if you have have a laptop you bring plonk your laptop down sit work for a couple of hours and then take it away and it goes back to its previous function now you did mention about you know obviously during lockdown things had changed at your company I mean what other changes have have you had to make presumably uh, you know you can't go into properties quite as freely as you used to do or you've had to think about PPE or has that changed in terms of um, technology you uh, presumably you do a lot of work on computers with your planning and perhaps design can you just give us a little insight into that side of your company yeah I mean that's an interesting question and I think you're well, in, in relation to the subject we were talking about just now, it's completely, the, the lockdown has completely accelerated what lots of people were doing anyway with improved technology and the fact you can, you don't have to, everybody doesn't have to be in the office all the time to, to work efficiently. So we have, yeah, I mean, it's, it was very problematic in the initial lockdown to, because we had several jobs on site, i.e. the builders were actually in the houses doing work and the people, the families had moved out and so they were desperate to get the jobs finished and move back into their houses. Mm. And to some extent, that just simply wasn't possible. But we were lucky enough to be able to, because it was mainly houses, and we looked at the um, the guidance and the legislation about how you could work. Because it's houses and you don't have huge teams of, of builders, we worked at that out that, generally speaking, they could work safely if there was one person, one trade per room. Um, and, and if people work work were working closely together wearing masks and that kind of thing so work was able to continue but physical physical work on site there were lots of issues with deliveries and supplies because lots of uh, supplies shut down even for just short periods in the properly initial lockdown where you know people weren't going to warehouses and so you couldn't get items into warehouses or out of warehouses to to come to site to fit and then we had we had a particular issue with tiles, which were coming from Italy. The Italian factory that made them had shut down 
earlier than the UK lockdown because the, the Italian one was a couple of weeks earlier, if you remember. And so they simply weren't available. And it, like you can't, if you need tiles before you can fit a bathroom, and there are no tiles and you can't, there's nothing you can do. And mm-hmm. um, so we had to wait for those. And then eventually the tiles did get out of the Italian factory and made it to Kent, but they were then stuck in a warehouse in Kent because there were, it was at the period where there were, there were some restrictions on what the delivery drivers could take. And it was clearly tiles weren't quite as key as um, groceries. So they were stuck there for a while. And then eventually they came to that and it was sorted out. But that, that's the kind of nature of the, the problems that we had. And th- th- it was fairly, fairly insoluble because you can't fit a bathroom if you haven't got tiles <laughs> to go in it. And you could start again, but then there weren't that many places open to be able to start again. So, and if it's a luxury bathroom, you don't want to go to the local tile warehouse and just pick up and on that note Kat we're going to take a short break go and grab ourselves a cup of tea Radio Reverb Hello this is Heather here on Let's Talk Property with Kat Hode Kat we were talking about homes we're talking about interior design I'm now beginning to appreciate after many many years of the space that they can afford us having just had an extension built myself bricks and mortar aside what can our rooms do for our emotional well-being so let's for example take a living room what sort of emotions do you think a living room should evoke and actually which colours would we potentially put in the living room when it comes to paint wallpaper accessories that is a very interesting question and I think one that I'm answering differently today than I probably would have done a year ago because we're spending we're all spending so much longer so much more time in our homes and therefore need each room in our home to be suitable probably for for a variety of needs and to accommodate a variety of emotions <laughs> yes. um and I think most most people's living rooms most of the time should be welcoming relaxed comfortable but then with the sort of ability to go both ways into a more kind of calm tranquil peaceful space for some of the time and but then flipping into being somewhere that you can be happy and inspired and more upbeat if there are people if you've got friends around or if you've if the the family have come together in a for a more kind of overtly social (laughs) occasion so you can you know you can have the living room just hanging out and and chilling and playing reading you know looking at your friends or whatever watching telly or board games and conversation and a mini party kind of thing um and I think colours very much depend on you as you yourselves or you as a family and what you're going to what you like to a certain extent the furnishings you already have um, and then the, the you aspire to have with with living rooms in particular especially if they're near gardens or near outside space we like to put green colors in and accents and in as much as possible to kind of connect the inside and the outside so not not have like a grass green wall, but have look at look at the outside and see what colours are prominent among in the vegetation, and then it, uh, match those or mirror them to a certain extent in the inside. And I think that works very well colour wise, and also in terms of connecting you in with the outdoors. So we're very keen on biophilic design, at absolute project management. So using plenty of natural natural fibres and fabrics and natural materials for um, all aspects of the home. So using wood and stone and linen and wool and naturally inspired 
or naturally composed materials. And do you ever get, sorry, just a, a quick interruption there. Do you ever get clients who are shocked by the um, designs that you come back with? Because they, whilst you've interpreted what they've said to you, do they, are they sometimes shocked at the uh, designs that you come back with and think, wow, I didn't think that was me at all. And then very slowly sort of realise that perhaps that is the brief that they gave you in the first place. Um, well, I'd, I wouldn't generally speak, I'd be unhappy if clients were completely shocked by what we gave no, Shocked them. with joy, not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Delighted. With yeah, I mean, that, that's always the intention to to take what they they think they want and then maybe have a think about them and how they live and how and the house, you know, the existing home and the, the features of the home and so on mm-hmm. and think from a different perspective, which is after what they've employed us to do, about how that could how that how that could work. And quite often people are surprised but then amazed that that we've thought of a completely different way of using a room or different way of orienting things or even quite small changes in terms of layout to, to open up circulation space and all that kind of thing. The other interesting thing is colour because lots of people are very scared of colour. In fact we've had a we had a client and we're on site with her property at the moment and she came to us and said I am scared of colour. I have whites in my house. And she, but she wanted to not scared of colour and she's ended up with a house which has got loads of colour in it. Mm-hmm. So she's been very bold. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's pleased because it's... We, and, and also we went in kind of... We, we started off with, quite, with some subtle colours and then sort of, well, you could have this, you know, it's kind of purple. Yeah. She's like, oh, I could. And it would look oh. really good with green. And so, yeah. yeah subtle that's, persuasion that's, by the sounds of it. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so... If I was doing the master bedroom, for example, what sort of emotions might I want to inspire for there? Again, I think probably creating space that can be a few different things. So a calm, relaxing place that's your sanctuary where you can sleep, but also somewhere that can be romantic, sexy, a nice place to hang out alone or with your with your yes I, I think I'd want to uh, lock on the inside of the door to keep everybody out because <laughs> you know what it's like being a mum you know mum mum nanny nanny it just yeah sometimes you just need a place to hide yourself away now that makes sense and what sort of colours would you suggest for the calmness and relaxation generally speaking fairly neutral pale colours but I also quite like having some more opulent colours or textures so possibly gold velvet curtains for example or silver silk so something something sort of fairly subtle but that has the feelings of sort of opulence and luxury I like Um, the sound of that having said that I when I was I was thinking about that question I realized that my own bedroom has got some very bold loud house patterny wallpaper on the wall behind the bed so actually that's a bit of it's kind of the antithesis of what I've just said because it's not particularly calming at all but it's really beautiful (laughs) I like it well we've all got different personalities and I suppose you know our surroundings have to reflect that as well can we move on to a home office now so clearly a lot of us are working a lot more from home we obviously need the perhaps the peace and quiet we need good chairs to sit on because otherwise we end up damaging our backs and maybe hunching over you know worktops is not good for us so what would you suggest we need to get from our home office and the colours we might use 
colors, I think if it's, if it's your home office that isn't really used for other purposes, you can go a bit mad actually and have something really bold right. particularly if it's something you're going to really love either either on the walls that you can see as you're at your desk have a bright color um, one of my colleagues has a really rich blue which makes her happy every time she looks at it so that's that's what she's got in her home office the other thing is if you're doing lots of zoom calls it's interesting to have a, something eye-catching in the background for example the picture that's over my shoulder there I don't actually have that many zoom calls but my husband who works in this room a lot and it, nearly everybody he talks to says wow that, that painting's amazing and that's quite by chance that's just where mm, all this was yeah, and he now sits yeah. here but yes yeah, so I think if you're if you're doing lots of zoom calls you could have either artwork or wallpaper or an object or plants or something that it that I guess it's something about your personality and are a point of interest. Can we just now move on to, you know, if people are thinking of selling their home at the moment. I mean the in the old days it always used to be we'll stick a, a loaf of bread in the oven and switch the oven on because it just gives that sort of home baking, you know, element to somebody walking in. And I, I'm hooked on Emily in Paris at the moment. And of course yeah. she's talking about, Same. you know, the perfume of a house or a hotel. Because actually we are spending a lot more time at home than perhaps we ever did what would you say the main trick is is if somebody needs to do their house up or it's not been done for a long time what would your recommendations be to them to to get somebody in just to perhaps do some home staging or you know you probably wouldn't want to go the whole hog of doing interior design but the home staging is catching on a lot more isn't yeah yeah we do we do a lot of home staging and it's um skill that uses the most of the interior design skills and organization skills that we have but kind of compressed into a much shorter time frame and and usually a much much uh, smaller budget so number one is normally declutter mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and as you were saying earlier if you walk into um if, if you're have lived in a space for ages you don't notice things that are possibly less than peeling so it's really useful to have professionals come in look at it with a fresh eye and think yeah that painting may have always been there but actually it's not very nice and the frame's cracked and mm. so and it's not going to be that appealing to the majority of potential buyers so that that goes and um, I think ways of making I mean in, in some ways it's boring because you you make the space more neutral so that it's attractive to a huge range of, um, of potential buyers but I'd also say you would want to make it feel attractive and welcoming so I'd say use accessories in an interesting way so have lots of plants I mean ultimately ultimately you're you're homestaging it to give people um the idea of what their lives could be like if they if they move in there so it's kind of aspirational so I'd say have lots of nice plants that are well I mean good for the environment good for air quality make you happy and are really nice to look at um also interesting textures in terms of you can have throws in again we like natural materials but textured like waffly throws beautiful cushions with with either very soft or very kind of interesting textures and then as you were talking about um emily paris and perfumes and (laughs) candles or diffusers or that kind of thing or even again plants like herbs and stuff that have um it's less difficult to do, more difficult to do in a house than in a garden, but where you brush past uh, lavender and it mm-hmm. releases the, the smell or mint or even rosemary of that 
if, if that's what does it for you. Doesn't it? <laughs> Wonderful. Right, I'm going to open myself up to ridicule now because um, I want to talk to you about my colour choices. Um, we moved into our house 22 years ago and interestingly, we put different colours in every single room. So it went yellow, blue, green, everything in the house was a different pink, you know, and I got to the really? point where I'd had enough. Um, so we've just had an extension built and I've got grey on part of my kitchen walls, the rest are white. Uh, my kitchen units are grey and my work surface is a grey quartz as well. I ripped out an avocado bathroom suite years ago, but I've got loads of plants um, and I've even grown an avocado plant from a seed, but I always seem to manage to destroy my plants. So I would need something really quite hardy. Um, I don't do pink anymore and I've replaced the bronze door handles and rose gold with chrome. So tell me, uh, Kat, and you can be brutally honest here, am I on trend or am I way off? I think you are quite on trend actually um i think grays in the kitchen is a very good classic kind of neutral choice but one that you can do interesting things with and will accept or kind of be amenable to lots of different um colors being being added to it i'd say that if everything's gray then you could try and sneak in a bit of color with well Maybe the, the walls that's white, you could consider a different colour. Um, I'd say have interesting and colourful objects, to, to the extent you have objects out on the work surface. Um, bowls of fruit to add lots of colour and natural smells and, and textures and so on. Um, I'd also, I think kitchens are a really good place to have plants. I keep going on about plants, but I, I think that would be... That would be a great um, place to have. I think that the kitchens are a really, really good place to have plants, not least because you can remember to look after them because um, you're in the kitchen quite a lot normally. <laughs> and then I, I guess going back to what we were talking about before, if you're using the kitchen for more than just cooking and eating, if it's becoming more of a home office, then think through where you could have a comfortable laptop drop station that's that, where you've got good light and ideally comfortable-ish seating and that you won't be too disturbed either by sound or by kind of visual cues mm. if, unless you want to be disturbed why don't you do why don't you do pink anymore I think because I've be, I've become I've got two daughters I've got two granddaughters uh pink has always been a girly color and I suppose in a sense I mean there are some I love beautiful bright fuchsia pinks I'm not a pastel person myself I like strong colors but do you know what sometimes you look at color charts and you just you suffer from color overwhelm you know there's oh, yeah. so much choice everywhere and just choosing my kitchen I've got two different colors of gray on my unit so it's not just one single gray I've got a darker gray and a lighter gray they have beautiful names but I can't remember them and I just think <laughs> you, you know this is why sometimes you need somebody who knows the business knows the colors can interpret what you're looking for to narrow down the range of possibilities because it's very difficult especially you know when you're living you know with my husband and he's got completely different ideas about colors you know we've sort of got the the new part of the house and the old part of the house which 
funnily enough, have, have knitted together quite well. But equally, 30 years on, you want to try something a little bit different. Um, you know, yeah. And of course, there's a lot more choice nowadays. Um, I'm not a wallpaper person. I can remember years ago when we built our first houses, we were wallpapering after work once we got the kids to bed and we swore that was it. We did not want to do wallpaper anymore. Yeah. So we, because of the variety of colours and paints nowadays, I just think you can do so much. And as you say, put a gorgeous big picture. I've got some really lovely big pictures that I brought back from Spain, for example, that, you know, we can put and make a feature on a wall. So I think I'd rather do that and use lots of mirrors to throw the light about and yeah. you know, really give a lot of ambiance. But it's taken us forever to get to where we are. We still haven't finished. But I suppose, you know, when you talk about the purpose of the room, that is the starting place, really. Is Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think yeah. what you've described, the, the kind of journey you've described about the work you've done and how you got there is, is very typical and as why our service exists and why people use us because mm. there is so much to think about um for, for example with you know a bathroom people will say oh we just have a new bathroom and then you say okay but you have to choose the loo mm. the bath the shower the shower tray the shower screen the shower what you're having in the shower how many <laughs> water things you're having and then the tiles and are you having um mm. any bits of storage and what you're having on the floor and what towel rails are you having all those kinds of things mm. and so it's kind of both overwhelming well it's very overwhelming I think to when you are presented with all those questions particularly if you haven't anticipated them and you've got the bills starting and you are suddenly being asked to specify what style and colour of mm. taps you want mm. um, so we, we try and have well we we do organise all that kind of stuff really oh. well and um, we're coming to the end of our chat cat I can't believe it the time is absolutely flown so I've got one particular question that I want to ask you now can you just give me uh, one of your most memorable moments of something that's happened within your career um I've got a few I could talk about but one particular one Brighton related well comment that somebody made which I thought was very very apt for Brighton which obviously has a lot of weather from the top and the side but also has plenty of water around um, underneath as well yes somebody described their house which had a leaking roof and rising damp as damp at the top wet at the bottom and with a little dry strip around the middle which I thought was quite <laughs> spot on. yes and we do have lots of listed buildings as well in Brighton and Hove don't we that um, need particular attention and that's what we do we, we do a lot of work um, some of the fundamentals just getting we don't do the roofs ourselves, but making sure that the roof is works properly as a roof, so it's actually dry. And then if there is damp, addressing the damp properly, I mean, it can be a bit of a big disruptive work, but it's so worth doing. Mm. And then you'll find it for years. Marvellous. Right, now to close, Kat, I can't believe our time's gone already. Just imagine I'd like to put all my house buying and renovation into practice in a commercial sense. Let me into the secret of your top three golden nuggets. I would say doing what we do, you have to, one, have quite a lot of commercial awareness, possibly more than you'd expect when you just think about interior design being um, stylistic choices. Listen to the client and understand their needs. But on the other hand, don't be afraid to challenge them 
to ensure they end up with a beautiful and workable home where I'm very keen on things being really beautiful but also actually work for the for your life and the third one I think would be be prepared for a much higher level of emotional exposure if you like than you'd expect when you're working with homeowners in their own homes you're dealing with something that's psychologically important to them there's lots of studies and history about that kind of stuff where they live and it's usually their own earned money and that they're spending so it's really important that that's used wisely so uh, for, for all those reasons there are sometimes complicated issues to negotiate with the clients collectively and sometimes <laughs> the clients have to negotiate between themselves <laughs> so we try not to be too much marriage guidance beautifully put there beautifully put cat now where can people find you we are at absoluteprojectmanagement.com and we are on instagram with the same name facebook is also absolute project management and twitter we don't use so much but we do have a presence on there the other places that where we post quite a lot of information is Pinterest. And again, it's absolute project management um, on Pinterest. I'm on LinkedIn as well. We do quite a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and that's under my own name, which is Kat Hoot. Well, thank you, Kat. It's been wonderful speaking to you today. I'm going to have to put my thinking cap on about all my colours and my emotions and my purposes again. Um, <laughs> so um, thank you for joining us. This is Heather Hilda Darling saying goodbye now and I'm not in an interior designed office either but thanks for joining me and speak to you again soon bye for now It's a house thing. It's a house thing.